everyone. Welcome to the Family Life Canada podcast. We're Neil and Cheryl Josephson. Our mission and the prayer of our whole team at Family Life Canada is that we could bring practical help and the hope of Jesus Christ to every marriage and every family in Canada. And we want you to know that we're partnering with Compassion Canada in these podcasts. They're sponsoring these with us. And we love working with these people. They bring practical help mm-hmm. to families globally mm-hmm. in the name of Jesus. So I uh, love Compassion Canada. They're great partners. Thanks for the sponsorship. Check out Compassion.ca. Hey, in this podcast, we love to introduce you to people who are doing life, trying to grow their marriage in the real world. And then out of that, they share what they're learning in ways that might encourage us. Uh, and the couple we're going to introduce you to today are just a perfect example of that. So we met Sean and Helena Bonito on the West Coast a while ago when they lived there. Now they live in Halifax. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can tell us a bit about that. But mostly we want to hear about their their work that uh, they're passionate about right now. They founded Secret Habit. Check out secrethabit.ca. Mm-hmm. The goal of which I think this is your tagline, isn't it? To bring to help people heal from the harmful effects of porn. What a great goal, and you guys are are in the thick of it. We're so glad for what you're doing, and we want to learn more about it. And we know that this comes out of your own personal story. So can you give us a little context, a little background? Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for having us. Yes, we are Sean and Helena Bonito. We do live in Halifax now, uh, almost a year in Halifax we started Secret Habit and ended up bringing it on as a division of a nonprofit in Halifax called Open Door Center. So we have been blessed immensely to become a nonprofit and work in that sector. And it's been an absolute blessing to more people than we ever thought we could help. So just so we aren't known as just the pornography people, mm. we just introduce ourselves as people that we know. We love the outdoors. You know, Helena's a horse trainer. I'm a music kind of guy. We both love things like chess. So we always love to give a little context that we're normal people. God called us to something that is pretty unordinary, but we really just want to share a hope. Our message is exactly that, helping people heal from the harmful effects of porn, but it's from a message of hope. So even how we met you guys, it's just been, you know, an amazing thing to have hope from family life. We've been mentored by family life and have been blessed immensely. So yeah, to share some backstory, I'll let Helena open up about her story first, then I'll share mine. But Helena's got an amazing story. Let me introduce my, my bride. Great. So so good to be here. We're super grateful, and um, I was just gonna let everyone know. So people are people are always wondering where the where the accent is from. They're gonna hear it even as I'm talking, and so I was just gonna make it clear. Uh, I am Bonito, but people are now thinking that uh, I'm French, but. Uh, I'm going to uh, kind of lead you a different direction. I am from Czech Republic, and I lived there my whole life. I came to Canada when I was 19. And, uh, yeah, so uh, my whole life was uh, was in uh, Europe. And um, it's kind of an interesting story as, um, you know, it, it's not a classic Christian story, I would say. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a, an... Uh, very um i grew up it just it's, it was really difficult um growing up for me and um i think i would describe it as a search for love uh kind of growing up so i um not that i my mom wouldn't give me love or my dad but i i felt like 
I was searching for perfect love. And as I was going on that search in my life, I would uh, look for it in the wrong places. And one of those places uh, was pornography to me. And um, because, yeah, I, I, I thought that um, that's what's going to fulfill my need. And it's so easy because it's not just a man problem or, or just a female problem. It's, it's we all are wired sexually. And I'm a huge believer today, understanding even uh, if you want to learn more about it, there's a great book from Dr. Julie Slattery, uh, Rethinking Sexuality. And uh, just, just the understanding of um, we all have been sexually broken. So really, my backstory is a lot of sexual brokenness in my life, and um, really, where where when I found pornography, my my thought was that, uh, well, I'm gonna if I'm gonna just be like that, basically, I am I'm gonna be loved for my body only. That's kind of what I believed, and and I I thought that's what it is like, and um, and. That became, you know, my, my peers in my life. Like, that's what I thought in my examples. And it's really, really sad because uh, if we think as a women that we are loved by, by our bodies only, that's one of the saddest things we can give to this world. Yeah. And it was this really um, sad part of my life because I could not find contentment. And all the men that I was dating in a young age, um, were just uh, abusive relationships or relationships where I really was so empty and I didn't know, um, I didn't understand. So, so that, that's what left me with. Mm. And I was just, I, I felt very lost. And I think many people today are feeling very lost. Like I was just wearing a mask and, um, and uh, you know, I would find myself being at parties and, and drinking alcohol, trying to fit in and, and just having that season of my life. And, um, yeah, so just quite a lot of sexual brokenness in my life in mm -hmm. that area and, um, you know, being raped at a party and things like that where I, I needed to find healing and, um, and, and I think, if we become more open about some of our sexual brokenness in our lives, um, that's where the healing happens. And, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and I think today a lot of people are afraid because I don't think we allow the space to share this and for people to, to feel safe, to share that they have, might have experienced something like that. So that's just that backstory a little bit. And, um, my life changed quite a bit when I, um, I, uh, I was, I broke up from a, an abusive relationship where I was cheating on, where I was being cheated on. And, um, then I, my friend invited me to talk about Jesus and I didn't know that it's about Jesus. There was talk about love and, uh, it was in Europe. It was in tech in my, in my school. And it was from missionaries that they were teaching me actual English in that school I had I didn't want to do anything to do with God and but I went there because I was just I that was my friend and she kind of convinced me she was my good friend <laughs> <laughs> so I I really finally was at the end of my search for love 
And I found that perfect love that I was searching for because, yeah, that, 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 like, I think we all are searching not just for a love. That's why a human being can never give us a perfect love. And we want that. And that's why we give expectations on them. And, and, but I have received that there. I, I, and I, for the first time I, I found it and my life changed. And so that really just, took me on this whole new journey of, of I start traveling and really discovering myself and become really independent. I start traveling around Europe and God called me to Canada. Uh, I was 19. I got to Canada <laughs> uh, with $100 in my pocket. I had nothing. And I just trusted that God is going to, he's leading me somewhere that I'm meant to be. And I met Sean on my first day in Canada. I went to the library. And so it's interesting because we we felt like this was like meant to be and it was beautiful and and just really amazing. But there was that one thing that happened and that we both brought this sexual brokenness into our marriage. Mm-hmm. And so we married within 11 months and, and this sexual brokenness was in our marriage. And I was just going to let Sean share a little bit more about, about that and his backstory. Yeah, yeah. So I brought the majority of the brokenness of the immediate into our marriage. So just my backstory. So I I saw pornography at 10 years old, had very little sex education growing up. Parents were emotionally distant. So I didn't really know anything about sex or love. So yeah, of course, I was on a search for love. You know, my mom had been going to church when I was growing up, and then she stopped going, started smoking at the neighbor's house. My dad didn't want anything to do with religion. You know, he was he was a very emotionally distant person. So Growing up as a young, young, young boy and a teenager, I just longed for even my parents to ask me, Sean, how are you? Because I would just be in my bedroom every day playing video games, which then when I saw pornography led into uh, like an eight hour a day porn addiction by, you know, age 13, I would just binge and watch and hide and escape. And it was because I knew that my family wasn't somebody that I could trust with my deepest secrets. Hmm. So that led to was just a, a life of escaping, a life of defeatism. I stopped caring about school. I didn't have many friends. I stopped taking sports seriously. You know, I got into music because that was kind of the, the that was kind of the scene, like drugs, sex, and rock and roll. So why don't I get involved in that? But it's hilarious because pornography destroyed my self confidence. I didn't even enjoy the sex, the drugs, or the rock and roll. And we realized that that's that's the lie of pornography. So growing up. I was a very uh, isolated person, a lot of self-hatred. I hid from people. I couldn't look people in the eye. I hated who I was and who I had become, even by age 15, 16. I I couldn't handle who I was, so I would just hide. Mm-hmm. And that really led into a, a young life of, of real of nothingness, um, a lot of disconnection. And it's, it's scary to think that that's where the young generation is at today. And mm-hmm. it's almost normal where they're not realizing that this – ADD they have or the social awkwardness they had have is, is it's not normal. So I had all of that. And, you know, growing up as a young adult, you know, I wasn't a Christian. So I was having sex. And by at 19 years old, I had erectile dysfunction. Hmm. And we think as young people, that's something old people have. We think that that's some sort of physical problem. That was actually a emotional, psychological problem from pornography. And that's a whole nother topic. But at 19 hmm. years old, young, healthy man, full of testosterone, could not get an erection. And we're talking about marriage with family life. We're talking about relationships. 
And if God has given us a gift of sex in marriage, then we can't even have that. Wow, that's so scary. So mm-hmm. fast forward a little bit, um, just high, high school and young adults and leading into like, you know, being a young adult. I thought that I could start making money and get, you know, become successful and put on nice clothes and I could hide from that life behind the scenes. And what that actually did is that just drove me deeper and deeper into the pain of everything. I I couldn't actually succeed at anything because I was so disrupted. I had a double life. So my life was just a lot of messiness, a lot of hiding, and that just bled into everything. So you can imagine when I started going to church at 22, it was uh, my, my life was a lot of hiding. So I went to church, but my goal was to hide in the back and, and, and try to find something that people were telling me I should find. So uh, funny story, first sermon I ever really heard was my eighth week of church hopping and the pastor's preaching on sexual immorality. Oh, and, wow. and I was probably the only one out of 800 people in that church that was excited. And it wasn't exciting as like, wow, I want to I want to learn more. It was like, holy, holy crap. I have never heard someone say these words, you can be free from pornography. It was the first time I had ever had hope in my life. It was the first time I had ever experienced someone saying, mm-hmm. that was an answer. and sure, it was exciting, but it was also terrifying. But, you know, fast forward, started getting more involved at the church, felt like there was a place of safety. I started going to celebrate recovery. So I started seeing hope. But one of the problems is the church just hasn't done a good job of addressing things like pornography. So we're so grateful for things like Family Life who are you know, trying to have podcasts just like this. So I, I felt a lot of pressure being at church because I had my salvation taken care of, but I felt like a hypocrite behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I continued to lie and hide my sin. And that really bled into when I met Helena. I meet her on her first day in Canada, kind of this fairy tale story. I ended up telling her about four months into dating uh, over a video call that I was going to a recovery group for porn addiction. So I actually sounded like the hero. I was getting help. I was on yeah. my I was okay. on the recovery. Helena's like, wow, gee, I got this knight in shining armor. And the reality was, is I was lying through my teeth and I was going to the group, but I wasn't doing anything they told me to do. And there was just... Mm-hmm nothing set in stone to really help me. I knew that it was bad, but I had nothing to really help me. So unfortunately that bled right into our marriage. Two months into marriage, uh, first time I relapsed uh, with porn and masturbation, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night, go to the bathroom and I choose a screen and self-pleasure over this gift God has given me. And it was the first time I ever went back to my bed after watching pornography and masturbating. And I looked at my wife I had never done that before. And it was a wake up call that this is bigger than just me. I have no idea how to quit. And I am terrified. And that really began. Yeah, Neil. Sorry to cut in. I, I wanted to ask you this question because a lot of couples that we speak with um, believe that when they get married, <laughs> then they'll, they'll be able to conquer the behavior. Yeah. So this is me when I'm single, you know, and you both acknowledge that your first engagement with porn was when you were single. And so, so many people, I think, listen to this podcast and people in North America that we work with, um, they go, yeah, I'm single. What do you expect me to do? But when I get married, it'll be all good. How do you respond to that? What what can you tell us that's helpful that we need to know? Yeah, well, I think just the simple thing to touch on is that the myth is that sex solves the problem. Like I once heard, and it's kind of funny, but it said, if sex addicts wanted sex, they would marry another sex addict. 
It's not sex that we long for. It's connection. It's companionship. It's affirmation. It's the love language. It's these things that God has given us. And sex is not it. Sex is just a byproduct. It's a thing we do to get what we actually desire. But unless it's with a, a married spouse, how do we actually get that thing we need? Yeah. And even if you married a sex, uh, sex addict, uh, I understood what pornography is like. You are going into hell. You, you are base. It's, 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 it's never going to give you what your heart's desire, because we are not meant to, um, like we are choosing so much, so much lesser than for, for like the real thing. We're not just physical beings. We are not just bodies. That's right. And, and, and yeah, like, I think I would really want to ask that person. Like, I think a lot of people think, oh, like, it's just normal. And I would really want to ask, is that really normal? Think about your life. Exactly. So what brought you to the point together where you actually turned the corner, the two of you? Yeah, I'll I'll just kind of tie that into the rest of my story. It's it's uh, it's one of our favorite parts, right. God's redemption story. So basically, what had happened was our, our first six months of marriage was really challenging because I brought this in. It's now it's now unfolded, um, and and I was just lying constantly, and, and and really would tell Helena, you know, I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay, and she would ask me again, and I finally just get honest. So I was just kind of. If you can imagine me, I'd put duct tape on her arm and then rip it off. I'd put duct tape on her arm and rip uh, it off. She was just gushing blood and sore all the time. And it was just painful. And there was this one time where Helena came to me and she casted a vision of what our life would look like if I didn't quit pornography, what our life and our marriage, what our future family would look like, what my individual life would look like. And it really affected me. It was like her speaking my language. Like as men, we want to win a battle. We want to fight for something. And I could realize that if I keep doing this, I am, I'm fighting a, a, a winless battle. And it was about, about a month or so later. It was actually on my 25th birthday. I had really just had a rock bottom moment in my life. That was a rock bottom moment realizing that our, our marriage wasn't what God had intended because I was not doing what God had called me to do as a man. And I just said to myself, God, I have tried everything on my own to get free from pornography. Uh, just like I had tried everything on my own to live a good life before I knew God. I had tried everything and, and Jesus was the answer. So I realized that I have tried everything to quit pornography and nothing has worked. I uh, I need to surrender everything to you, Lord. I don't want to live another year of my life from 25 to 26 as a porn addict. I want to get rid of this. So what, what that was is that was actually me for the first time surrendering and then doing what God wanted. So many people do something and then they ask God to follow them. <laughs> so that was the first time ever I said, yeah. God, I am giving this to you. And I started really just working with Helena and, and incorporating her in my in my, my thoughts and my life and my prayers. But that was kind of the rock bottom is Helena cast a division. I had just, I had really got to a point where I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired of, hmm. of letting down my wife and, and saying I'm a Christian and a, and a Christ follower, but living as far as that can be. So that was really such a turning point in our life. And, and praise God, it's, it's almost been three years since that time. Wow. And out of that, you guys have developed this ministry to really help other people who are in that place of desperation. And we bump into couples. And, and mm. to, to be honest, as you guys well know, pornography was part of our story as well, right. our marriage story. Right. 
And uh, like you, Sean, I was exposed to it really young. Um, thought marriage would take care of it and did for a long time. But but it's, it's sort of a default behavior. And, you know, that was my challenge. And I think for a lot of the people that are listening, it's a challenge when you're particularly stressed or you're particularly lonely or maybe, I, I don't know, um, things happen in your life and then it's a comfort thing. Mm-hmm. And then because sex has an addictive uh, nature to it, the way we're wired up, what starts off as a temporary comfort thing becomes a, a habit. <laughs> and, uh, and as you label uh, or use the title secret habit, and then we, then we hide and hides the antithesis of intimacy. And that's why it really destroys quality marriage, all, all these things that mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, no, I mean, we know this firsthand yeah. and, um, and I want to pick up on something Neil said, because under pressure, under stress, these behaviors come back to the surface. Right. And I think that's what's happening right Lots now in this pandemic. Right mm. we, we, we know that, pande- or that pornography use is just exploded in these last few months. Yeah. And what are you hearing from the people you're talking to? Yeah, well, thanks for sharing. It's so important for people to realize that this is... Uh, it's an issue and, and it even ties back to what we were saying with um, what is what, what would you say to a single person? It's like open your phone to Instagram and take a good look at what's on your newsfeed. It's porn. Like you're just feeding yourself with pornography all the time. And I think what's happening with the pandemic is people have a lot more time and a lot mm-hmm. more busyness. What happens is that when we aren't busy, we realize that we have no hobbies. We have no things we actually enjoy. We just live for the event. We live for the busyness. And when we have all the time at home during the day and our whole day is full of things like pornography or at least our thoughts are all about what video am I going to watch tonight? We really realize, wow, I have a problem and there's no events to go to tonight to hide that problem. So we're really realizing that the pandemic is revealing things because people uh-huh. are so stuck in a, in a place of either being at home or being a victim or just they're in fear and they're realizing, well, I'm thinking about pornography or I'm thinking about food all day long. And I, I actually have a bigger problem than I thought. And I don't, I don't have alpha to go to tonight to fix it. I don't have celebrate recovery to go to tonight to fix it. So, you know, that's just kind of the mentality of what's going on right now. If we look at some of the real stats, uh, we've heard stats of upwards of 61% increase in certain countries that have been quarantined heavily of uh, porn usage. And, you know, websites like Pornhub have been offering free access to their premium subscriptions. So you can just imagine not only are people in fear and they're stressed and they're at home, but then they have this invitation from the big company saying, hey, let's help you out. And it's obviously not helping. Hmm. So when you talk to your clients, what advice are you giving them these days? How are you helping them turn the corner as you as you both did? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, um, that's a great question. I, I think the biggest thing that I want to caveat is that, you know, even in this podcast, if people are expecting that we're going to give them something that, oh, and now I'm going to get free from porn. That's not how it unfortunately works. Okay. There's not this magical thing and, and like, and the unicorns and rainbows are going to start flying. <laughs> <laughs> not how it works. Uh, but really, it, God has something much greater for you than that, than some magical button. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really uh, is wanting you to have a transformation. Mm-hmm. And transformation doesn't happen with a magical button it does happen with with getting out of denial and that's the biggest thing and that we we tell we tell uh people is is getting out of the fact 
of, you know, you're walking in a house that is infested with mold, but you don't want to look at the mold, rip out the carpet and start scraping it off. And less you're trying to pretend like that is not happening, more it's going to be happening and your house is going to be infested. So really the first thing is to get out of hiding and ask for help. And the second thing that I want to, I want to caveat is that, that I, we are huge believers and this is what we say to our clients and what you guys are doing with, with family life is, uh, I don't believe in advice. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) I don't believe in advice because, uh, advice so many times go from one ear to and out of the year. What I believe in is that I want to, we, we are guiding people to, to a discovery of themselves and of healing for themselves because that's what sticks in. I want people to, to for themselves to discover the answers that they're looking for because if I'm going to tell you an advice, I, I, I guarantee it's, it's just not working. It has not worked for me. It has not worked for Sean. It, it, is, a, it is a journey and it's something that I, I will going to walk with you and for you to discover and I was just going to guide you. Uh, but really, like that is our heart is um, is a discovery that we we we're gonna take you on this journey, yeah. to the journey with you. Yeah, I thought I'd share a few things that that I've been helping people understand is that one of the biggest things is that our lust actually tells us a story. So when we're feeling lust or temptation, it's actually kind of an alarm system in our minds and our bodies going off, telling us something is wrong, something is off. And it's actually a place where God is calling us to him. So our lust tells us a story. The second thing is that everything in our life is actually an equation. So our childhood often leads to what we do today. You know, the reason you're addicted can be equated to something that has happened. So every, yes. nothing, nothing's random. Um, one of the biggest things we tell people, uh, Christians, of course, is spiritual warfare needs to be a daily practice. We've just realized time and time again that people have soul ties, that the enemy has stolen things from their lives and it's become their normal. So we've been talking a lot more about spiritual warfare. And then the last thing is we just see so many people are perfectionists. I am unfortunately one as well. So one of the things I've learned a lot about is helping people understand like what is a godly goal and what is a godly desire. And Neil Anderson has talked about that in the past, but it's just beautiful to think that a goal is actually something that is character driven and a desire is something that is something that we want, but there, we, you know, there, there's stuff we have online about what a goal versus a desire is, you know, we can, re, we can resource people with a video we have online, but those are some really main things we've been helping people because we just see constant and consistent in all of our clients. And I love that goal language because I've I found in my own life and with the people we work with, that's where I'm going to find a sustainable motivation to be a better man or a different man. Uh, And this has been tragically, I think, over the years when we've only spoken shame messages, you know, like shame's, uh, you know, porn's bad, it's dirty, you're a bad boy, you're a bad girl because you do it. I mean, it may work for the short term, but, you know, you guys know that the paradox is the shame makes me feel bad. I go running for comfort. Where do I go running for comfort? I go running for comfort back to the very behavior that made me feel shameful in the first place. Mm -hmm. So we need to acknowledge it's wrong. It's brokenness, but there's got to be that hope. And that's what mm-hmm. we love talking to you guys. Mm-hmm. And we love what you're doing because you're trying to bring this hope. And this is what we're trying to do with family life too. Let's, let's put porn behind us. We can't do it because the, 
the life together without porn is so much better. Like yes. that's why we're moving past it. Is it? And this, you guys are bearing witness. Like your marriage today without porn is is a different thing, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Oh man. Like I I sometimes I'm just gonna be completely honest with you. Like I think I I because of my, because of the work we are doing, I am like when I listen to something like some like different uh, helps and advices, I'm like. Fix your porn problem. You're gonna have a great marriage. Just like, like, honestly, yeah. like, 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 over, like a little bit more, like just because I feel like it's such a big problem. But honestly, this is the root of so many issues. It's like it you're getting rid of the you're 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 you need to get rid of the cavities you have. Like it's just to to finally be able to you know use your teeth. It's like it's like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I a hundred percent agree with you. I think, you know, couples we talk to though, the, the presenting issue is something to do with, we, we always fight or we, this or this behavior or that behavior. And if you talk a little bit longer, you start uncovering the mm. roots and, and at the mm. root, there's this cancer that is destroying their relationship. And they want to talk about communication principles and conflict management and different, you know, without going after that, you know, that mold Correct. you were yeah. talking yeah. about. And so yeah. we 100% agree with you. It starts by becoming honest about what is going on, bringing this into the light, um, asking for help. And, and you guys, what you're doing is offering when people have the courage to bring it into mm. the light, mm. then you're there ready to walk with them and encourage them. So you can get through this and your marriage past this, your relationships beyond this are, are going to be so beautiful. You can't even begin right. to see what right. can be on the other right. end of freedom. Amen. That's, that's right. That's, yeah. that's exactly why we started Secret Habit. We just don't see enough of that. And that's our battle cry is that people would see that the life without porn is so great that they will do anything it takes yes. to quit porn. Yeah. 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 Well, God bless you in that. That's the right message to send. I need to ask you a question that we get posed all the time. And you guys have lived it. You are living it. Cheryl and I have lived it. But would you speak to this question? How do you forgive your spouse when he or she has used porn? And you're you're trying to wrestle with all these feelings of I sort of get it, but I feel betrayed. I don't know. But we run into this all the time. Like, you know, my spouse says he or she's sorry, but I'm really having a hard time forgiving them. And rebuilding yeah. trust. Can you speak to that? Because this is a big deal. Yeah, yeah I, I would love to speak to that. And whoever is listening, I would just love to say this. And that is that um, just giving yourself grace that it's okay that at the moment, um, at the moment, you might not be able to forgive. Because, um, and I would just encourage you to really seek help because what you're experiencing is something called betrayal trauma mm-hmm. and it's very real and, um, and it's very something that, that is, um, uh, that has hurt you and you're not going crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just something that you just really need some validation on and some steps mm-hmm. to start understanding and, and receiving, you know, and just. Uh, get some grounding and, and sanity in your life because it's it's just it can be really hard it's not just like oh like uh it's this christian forgiveness sometimes you know uh like yes that, that is a huge piece but it's also how 
how we get to it. And I, I would just like to share, if we have two minutes, just this a quick analogy that I love to use with people for so for them that to to understand a little bit. Um, and it's this idea of garden. And so we like I love to like I love to just uh, people to understand that our trust and everybody's trust is like this beautiful garden, like like flowers everywhere and, and the trees and just lush green and 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 this beautiful like river and and you love this place and because you love this place you put you put fence around it hmm. and you 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 allow and you give give the key to people that that you you trust that they won't do anything with this place right. because treasure it so much and let's say i i give it to somebody and um you know i i I might have given it to Sean, and this is going to happen into our lives. People will gonna uh, will gonna give them this key, this key, and what happens is 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 you know he's gonna go and and he might start looking at different gardens, and as he's looking at different gardens, I'm not looking, and he walks all over these beautiful flowers, hmm. and he leaves, and then he expects that you know, uh, or just he pretends like he didn't do anything for so long. Right. And walks around the garden, and the the garden is it's just destroyed, and that could be first thing. And then the second thing is is like how 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 can we trust again? Which is the question, and that is trust is something that is rebuilt. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. something that we choose. So which is which is also a, a step of like having forgiveness for ourselves and, and, and after the trauma and everything, which takes time. And um, that's, that's our choice to, to, to release ourselves. Uh, but then in terms of trust, that's something that is, that is rebuilt. And that happens when the other person says, Hey, I want to, I am really sorry. I really want to be back at your garden. I love your garden so much. Um, I was gonna pick up the the soil and the the, mm-hmm. the flowers. I'm gonna buy the flowers and, and let's just let's just do this together again. Can you forgive me? Can we? Can we? Or like I know that you might ha- it might have to take time to forgive me that I destroyed them, but can we just start? I, I want to just help you start rebuilding this garden. Yeah, that's a great that's a great analogy. Great, analogy. great metaphor. Yeah. I just want to jump in there. Uh, it's Cheryl and I. We're, we're in the midst. Family life's in the midst of an eight-week webinar series called mm-hmm. Great Marriages Don't Just Happen. And we were just talking last week about the five languages of apology. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's great content. If you don't want to listen to the webinar, check out a book called uh, When Story is Not Enough. Mm-hmm. And it, this is true, I think, when we're trying to rebuild after porn. A lot of times the, maybe the offender goes, I already said I'm sorry, because that's their language of apology, or they don't understand why that's not enough. But the other party's going, no, I need to see repentance, like new behavior, and I need to see restitution. Like you need to help rebuild the garden because yeah. I believe really apologized. Like sorry is just words to me until you do those things. Mm-hmm. So, so this rebuilding is a complex thing. And of course, by all means, say you're sorry when you're wrong. Uh, but there's got to be more, right? That's what I hear you saying, Helena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the and and seeing the sincerity of their heart and the long longevity. Oh, I don't know the word. <laughs> so, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like that is what it takes uh, yeah. to rebuild trust. If you're really looking at trust, it's it's something. It, it's it's that choice that we want to to win that heart. We we want to win that trust back because the trust has been broken. That's right. 
And it's actually not up to that person. It's up to that person who broken it. And yeah. and the forgiveness is for that person who who has who the trust has been broken to. Yeah, release themselves from any bitterness. And Sean, what did you do to rebuild the trust? Like like from your side of the the equation. Yeah. So. There's, there's a good side and a bad side to, to what I did is I've always been a performance-driven person. So when I say that I had always done things to try and quit pornography and it never worked, I, I did. I did try a lot of different things, which was my performance-driven self. So the biggest thing was actually surrendering to Jesus. There was this moment that I had that I think really showed Helena that I was confessing and repenting and actually changing is I, is I really looked at the way Jesus spoke to the criminal beside him on the cross. And I love to share this with men. Is like, you know, we, as addicts, we are that criminal. And it's okay because Jesus doesn't question him or anything. He just says, you will be with me in paradise. He just, he just wants us to surrender and believe that Jesus is the one and only. Hmm. So I really did confess and repent hmm. and start changing I started taking my recovery seriously. I would I would be journaling several times a day, talking to Helena about like what's the depth, the root. You know, one of the quotes I love is that um, fruit. Or sorry, porn is the fruit, pain is the root. Hmm. Talking about that's awesome. Say that again. Yeah. So porn is the fruit, pain is the root. Yeah, good. And I started talking about this pain in my life, these things that were deeper. I realized that I had a lot of resentment and bitterness towards things. So I started showing Helena that I wasn't just gripping it or white knuckling it anymore. I was actually mm-hmm. changing as a man. The, the way I prayed, the way I looked at Helena, the way I, I had a gratitude journal, I started doing things that showed her that I wasn't just trying to, you know, get through this thing like last time. I was mm-hmm. changing as a man. I was becoming a man who didn't want to watch porn anymore. Mm, wow. So good. I'm glad for that. And can yeah. I jump in and say it this is this is a long past in our rearview mirror this season of our marriage. Uh, but to this day, I still need Neil to say, Cheryl, I'm not using. It's not part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that pain is always just a little bit there. And so even if it's years and years and years in your past, it's it's always good to just kind of reestablish that trust, yeah. uh, keep that honesty between the two mm-hmm. of you, that clarity. Um, and again, when you both know that you're you're looking to God and getting your direction in life from God, it just sets you at peace. And and so I guess I just want to encourage people who who are longer in the journey than than you are. There's just a lovely, lovely freedom and joy in it, but you still need to keep building that trust and reaffirming that trust every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks Mm -hmm. for sharing that. That is awesome. Yeah, that is, that is so, so true. I I think like what you hit on is, is um, like us living without masks and that's, and the truth. And that's what we, all of us so, so want. And, and I, and all women, like we, like we desire to live mm. in in truth and safety. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And it is true for for everybody who's listening. And Sean and Helena, thanks for sharing out of your story and, and our story. When, when you're hiding and you're, and you're living, and maybe if this is in your life, you can kind of start to feel normal. Sort of like rocking with a, a rock in your shoe. You sort of adjust your your stride. The better thing is to get it out of your shoe, you know, but a lot of us are, are struggling along and we're not living the way we could. 
because we got this in our lives. So I appreciate the encouragement you guys have been. Please, everybody listening, secrethabit.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, get in touch with Sean. Get in touch with Helena. Maybe in your local community. Or maybe you're on the positive side. You know, Would you reach out to other people that are encouragement and struggling? Because this tends to be hidden in a lot of places. Oh, I want to jump in here. There were... It, for years, I refused to talk about this. When we, we were marriage pastors, yeah. we were marriage coaches, and I'm like, yeah. we'll tell every anything to everybody, mm-hmm. but we will not talk about no, that. No, and I'm ashamed, and I, you know. We will not yeah. become those porn people, which you yeah. guys referred to at the beginning. <laughs> I'm stubborn about that, and that God had to go to work on my heart and make me willing to open up that piece of our lives, too. Mm-hmm. And boy... I get emotional about this, but boy, when we did, God mm-hmm. has used uh, uh, that piece of brokenness in our story to bless more people probably than all of the good things we've done in 41 mm-hmm. years of marriage. <laughs> the worst piece of our marriage is probably the piece that has been most helpful to people. And so I would encourage mm-hmm. you, if it is part of your story, you have had victory over this, please be an encouragement to another yeah, couple along yeah, the way. Yeah. Normalize it. Uh, mm-hmm. bring encur- don't don't normalize it to the point that it's okay. It's, it's okay. acceptable, right? But normalize it. Bring it out in the open. Let's talk about this. Let's journey through this together. Sure. And the body of Christ, church, Christian people, Christ followers, we should be the most open about this of all people. Mm-hmm. We know we're forgiven. Mm-hmm. We know there's hope on the other side of this. We should be the people who are the most honest and forthcoming about this. So I'm preaching to me because it was a hard thing for me to do, mm-hmm. but I encourage others like you. So anyway, Thank you guys so much for your work and for sharing so uh, generously your story. We love you. Mm, we love you too, guys. Thank you so love much. You, uh, so please, friends, check out secrethabit.ca. Yeah. Once again, we really are grateful for Compassion, their sponsorship. Uh, like, If you enjoyed this podcast, say thanks to Compassion because mm-hmm. they're helping to make it, make it uh, take place. And... Um, Check out FamilyLifeCanada.live. We have a lot of good resources there. Your marriage is worth it. Your marriage can be healthy and strong. And and if it is right now, then come and stay strong. (laughs) 